We were only about halfway through presenting our day-long workshop when the snow started. As the day wore on, the snow grew heavier. And when we finally ended, there were already a couple of inches on the ground, and it was coming down heavier than ever, plus it was getting dark. My co-presenter and I had a decision to make. Start out on our two-hour drive home or stay put. I'll tell you what we chose coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. Our hope is to provide you with some encouragement and inspiration with the help of our spiritual directors for living out your faith today. My name is Patrick Conley. In the upper Midwest, driving in snow is a fact of life. Snow removal systems usually get on top of things as soon as possible, and it's only very occasionally that roadways are closed. Well, as my colleague and I deliberated, it was clear that both of us just wanted to get home to our families, and that desire prompted us to head out on our normally two-hour drive home, even as the snow was beginning to mount up. We packed up our things, said a prayer, and set off. Though things started out okay, it wasn't long before the conditions slowed us to about 35 or 40 miles per hour on the highway. Others were out on the road too, so we fell into a line of traffic that seemed to be respectful of the worsening conditions, except, of course, for the occasional reckless driver who passed us all. Though the plows had been out, the lane lines were all obscured. The only guides we could follow were tire tracks, taillights, and whatever glimpses we could get of the contours of the roadway, staying well clear, of course, of the drop-off into the ditch. At one point, we took a break and gassed up, and the entire rear end of our vehicle was caked with snow. Some four hours after our departure, after numerous white-knuckle episodes, we finally pulled into my colleague's driveway, breathing a sigh of relief and a prayer of gratitude. The snow had made driving difficult, to be sure, but we were driven by the desire to be home. Well, in the spiritual life, of course, we can also be driven by the desire to be home. And as sure as northern states will see snow in winter, difficulties will arise in our faith life as well. And these difficulties can make it hard to stay the course. How do you stick to the path in times of difficulty? How do you remain obedient to the Lord's calling? Today on the show, we're talking about obedience, and specifically obedience in times of difficulty. Our conversation driver today is our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin. Father Griffin is the rector of St. John Paul II Seminary in Washington, D.C. Welcome back, Father. Good to have you on the program again. Thanks. It's great to be back. Well, obedience, Father, it's a, it's a word that doesn't often conjure a, a nice feeling, a warm feeling in, uh, in people's lives these days. And maybe we can start there. I mean, why do we think, when we hear the word obedience or obey, it seems to have these kind of rings of negative connotation to it. Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, I think there are a couple things going on there. One is it's just deeply embedded in human nature, this desire to kind of have our own way, you know, and mm-hmm. obedience seems to be something that says we don't get our own way all the time. And, um, you know, as, as, as children, you want to have something and we have to obey our parents and we can't get what we want and so forth. And so there's something, and you know, going back to primordial times and Adam and Eve, ultimately, you know, the disobedience of God, I mean, that desire to, to really become like God. I think in modern times it has taken on a new force because so much of our 
self-awareness it surrounds power. You know, this idea that in order to have a happy life, one has to grow in power and you know, um, our relationships with each other are always sort of seen in through the lens of power, who has more power, who has less. And so the one who is obedient seems to be the one with less power, you know, and yeah. so, be, you know, being, being forced to do things you don't want to do and so forth. And so the goal of life in that perspective is to gain enough power where you no longer have to obey. So mm-hmm. that's kind of, I think, the false vision of obedience that kind of um, can color our, our discussions about it. Yeah. And actually just drilling down into that a little bit. Now, of course, um, obedience is outlined in Scripture, and as we hold to in our Catholic faith, um, that obedience is not, uh, it's not that kind of absence of freedom or absence of power. In fact, it might even be argued that obedience actually brings us into further relationship with God, who, of course, is the source of all power. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, I think obedience, rightly understood, is incredibly liberating um, on on all kinds of levels, even at very human levels. Um, But, you know, we can get into some of these details. But no, I think I think that the kind of the contemporary um, caricature of of obedience is is not just misleading. I think it's actually just false. Mm, Yeah, very good. Well, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about obedience in Scripture, and it seems to be all over the place, Old Testament and New. We see all sorts of things, uh, especially I'm thinking like Old Testament law and the number of places that people were required, commanded to be obedient to the law, the Ten Commandments, etc. But even in in the Gospels and in the New Testament, we see that Jesus is, is uh, requiring obedience from his followers. So, Maybe just take us a little bit into your reflections on obedience in the scriptures. Sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think uh, oftentimes in discussions about obedience, somebody will start out with its uh, kind of what the word itself means, and it, I think it is helpful. Obedience is from obedience, which means to hear, you know, or, or listen to someone. And I think right. so hearing, you know, the obedience of faith, you know, St. Paul is always talking about coming coming into the to the ears, you know, being able to hear the the truth of the faith. I think at a, at a very, so this idea of conforming our will to that of another, um, uh, which means that, you know, we are able to receive from another um, something that we are not necessarily able to uh, receive without that. So, you know, to take the obvious example of a child, you know, children grow by being obedient, children grow in, in maturity. They grow in knowledge of skills. They, they, you know, with children are obedient because they can learn math and English and how to read and write. And, you know, I mean, all of these things are based upon them hearing from another and obeying, right? Responding with their will. I mean, that the child who, who never does anything, but, but he or she wants to do will grow up to be a very stunted human being. So we can see even at a very natural level, the need for obedience there. Now take that to the supernatural level and it takes on an even greater importance you know, because it's from God that we learn um, that we learn what it means to be fully human, and it's from God that we learn how to live our life in such a way that we will flourish and not atrophy, um, that we will not harm ourselves through sin. Um, so it's in obedience to the commandments, and all of those that you mentioned from the Old Testament were kind of pedagogical. They were training us, you know, to receive the new law of grace, and 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 that's what's happened with with Jesus Christ. He's given us this new obedience, this new opportunity to obey which is not simply kind of forming our minds through all these different commandments, but actually is receiving the grace to conform our life to that of the Son of God, right, and become right. more and more like Jesus. Um, that really is the real meaning of Christian obedience, is that we become more and more like the one that we follow, in this right. case, Jesus Christ. Yeah, very good. And just to pick up on what you mentioned a couple times there, Father, conforming our will uh, to that of another— and 
it just strikes me, and maybe this is getting down into the weeds a bit, but uh, it strikes me that then there is a difference, it seems, between obedience and resignation or surrender. I mean, there is a surrender piece. I don't want to say that it's totally, but it's not, it doesn't seem to me to be a, uh, you know, we're just, we're just kind of grinning and bearing it or, you know, gritting our teeth and saying, all right, you know, you're forcing me to do this. Uh, you know, I don't have any other choice, that sort of thing, which is more in the resignation category. But it's it's actually willfully choosing that, although I this may not be what I would have chosen for myself, I am living out a life of obedience and therefore I will do that. Would you agree with that distinction? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, I think resignation is one way to think about it. Maybe more precisely would be the word compliance, right? It's like one thing is to obey. Another thing is simply to comply. All right, compl- complying means I'm conforming to my will. I'm doing what I'm told to do. But mm-hmm. obeying has <clears throat> has more of an intelligence kind of, you know, there's there's a sense that I, I'm listening to it. I'm integrating it into, um, into my thought pattern and I'm responding with my whole being. You know, there's these, uh, um, St. Ignatius talked about these three different, kind of levels of obedience. And, you know, the first one is simply external. And that's what you and I are just talking about there, you know, the uh, yeah. just compliance, you know, the, the child making the bed. And then the next one is conforming our will, right? Which means um, basically we're, we, 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 we believe in the truth of So it's a child making the bed without grumbling, <laughs> or maybe <laughs> okay, grumbling a little good, bit, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. And then, and then, and then there's like the internal conformity of intellect, which means that the child understands why he or she needs to make the bed and why it's a good thing and is making the bed. Right. So there's, mm-hmm. so the, the, and a third is the greatest because it's, it's, it's when we, it's most pleasing to God, for instance, when we obey with not just our will, not just compliance and not just ex- internal will, but also with our intellect, because it means it's a fuller part of ourselves that's obeying. So the more, the more we understand why we're, you know, why these different commandments are there and the commandments of the church, for instance, the precepts, the different commandments of the Old Testament, the more we understand them and, and, and obey them with our intellect and our will, the more pleasing it is to God and the more fulfilling and frankly, more joyful it is for us too. Mm-hmm. Amen. And uh, well, let's let's get into that joyful piece here in just a moment. But let me uh, remind the listeners that our spiritual director today is Father Carter Griffin, rector of St. John Paul II Seminary in Washington, D.C. We're talking about obedience and specifically obedience in times of difficulty. What difficult situations has a, have arisen in your life? When was a time that you found it really tough to be obedient and what to be obedient and what did you do? Did you follow through with obedience? Was it more that just compliance or were you actively engaged because of your relationship with the Lord? Give us a call and join the conversation at our toll-free studio line triple eight nine one four nine one four nine, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Again, eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. You can send us an email if you prefer. Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. Well, joy and obedience, and again, I I think this always needs to be repeated. I don't think it can be said often enough that there is a joy in obedience, Father. Just unpack some of that. Why why is obedience, or how is obedience joyful? Yeah. Well, I think we all deep down know that we are not always our best guides, you know, for ourselves. And um, and so receiving from another, right, a way of life— a, uh, a way of living more fully, more in a more flourishing way, receiving that from another and obeying is a source of joy because, you know, we are receiving something that we didn't have on our own. Uh, we're growing in maturity, whether natural maturity or uh, the maturity of grace, supernatural maturity. Um, and we are becoming more fully who we're intended to be. I mean, what, what causes joy most fundamentally is when we become more fully alive, more fully ourselves. Mm-hmm. And obedience is not something that smothers that, but 
obedience properly understood from the right authority. I mean, we're going to, I'm sure, talk about different kinds of obedience, but all obedience that is ordered to the good is going to make us more, uh, help us live a more flourishing life. And that's, and that's the source of joy. Yeah. There's something about somebody who lives entirely for themselves, not obedient to anyone, which is an extremely depressing and often very anxiety and sort of very anxious life. Mm. Uh, And there's something very, very calming about being able to, in, a, in an intelligent way, place ourselves under obedience to the to the right person. Uh, and I think we all need that. Everyone needs that. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. And uh, certainly in my life, I can I can think of ways in which uh, my obedience, not just to God alone, which we'll get into that too, but to, like you said, rightful authority in our lives, that that actually has been liberating, that that's been uh, something that is yeah. is freeing. Yeah, so appreciate that, Father, too. Well, maybe before we get too far into the conversation, especially because we wanted to talk about obedience, especially in times of difficulty, when, when, it's, when it's hard. It's hard to be obedient. And uh, what are some of those situations that may arise, Father, in which we find it difficult to be obedient? Or what are some of the temptations toward disobedience that we have in our lives? Yeah. Well, I think the biggest, uh, you know, maybe this is being too obvious, but the, the biggest challenge we have is our own pride, right? That we want that, that there is the kind of that, that, chi- that inner <laughs> spoiled child within all of us that wants it in, 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 in our own way, at our own time, in when we want it, how we want it, and you know, so forth. So there is that struggle. We have to overcome that, that tendency to kind of just have it our own way. When we realize, yes, this is what I ought to do. This is the obedience that I should be exercising, but it's hard to do. So that's, that's one thing. It's just kind of the difficulty of the obedience itself. I think sometimes there can be a challenge, for instance, when we see the faults of our, of our, let's call them just superior, you know, in a general sense, the yeah. one who is, yep. uh, the one who is, who is the agent of that, um, asking that obedience. Um, and we see the faults of that person. We, maybe we realize that, um, that we know more than that person. Or we're more intelligent than that person, or we maybe believe that we have a, a wider outlook than that person. And yet we're still called to obey. These are kind of some of the challenging situations, which, you know, we can certainly talk about. Um, there's the, there's, there's the kind of death to self that does happen, but it's the death to self when we mortify our will and obey that actually is the seed of the new life. It, it really is an example, I think, of that seed falling to the ground, and unless it dies, it cannot bear fruit. And I think that's true for us, too. There's a little death to self, but boy, the, uh, the yield is something that makes it all worth it. And as you said, when we look back on our lives, we often realize, I mean, and to take the obvious example, as a child, if we didn't obey, we wouldn't, we would, there's so much that we wouldn't be right now. And, you know, so that, that death to self, which we hopefully do as an adult with maturity is something that continues to bear a lot of fruit. Mm-hmm. Very good. Let's take a phone call. Father Nick is calling in from Frankfurt, Illinois. Nick, welcome to the inner life. Thanks for calling in. Yes. Yes. I just was thinking of how, how, how powerful obedience is and the virtues which spring from it. And, Sometimes we can get overwhelmed with, with that call of the Lord, and we can say we ask ourselves, where can we begin? And, and I think, you know, maybe, maybe on a secular level, we can start there. For instance, my daughter was just married last weekend, and we all love pizza in our family, and we have all kinds of good pizza places around us, but she wanted this special one that was going to require a two-and-a-half-hour trip there and back. And my wife said she really wants that. And you know how we, we're wired to grumble. And then we also are, riot, are wired for, for rules, for conformity. The Lord wants us to, to conform to what he puts forth for us in the church. But that grumbling always comes in. So I grumbled right away, and I said, hey, Lord, this is an opportunity for me to conform to somebody's wants. And so he softened my heart. I did it. And I think that through these little ways, 
we open up our hearts for the bigger forms of obedience that the Lord is calling us to follow him, follow his way, and go to his cross with joy. Huh. That's great, Nick. Thanks. Yeah, I, um, I'm i sure that I would not have grumbled if I was asked to drive two and a half hours to pick up some pizza. So I don't, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with you, Nick. But, uh, <laughs> but it's beautiful. It's, you know, and you bring up a great point, which is that obedience is, it's not just sort of whatever, you know, kind of the, the military superior telling a subordinate to go and pick up the pizza two and a half hours away, that it was, there was a more organic thing of you realize that it wasn't just like obedience to your wife or obedience to your daughter. It was obedience to your love, right? It was that, it was your love for your, it wasn't really about the pizza. <laughs> it was about the love that, that you showed her by going to, by going that distance to pick up just the right one that she really wanted, you know? And that I think is a beautiful uh, example of how obedience is a, it's a, it's a wide virtue. And it's one that is not just about conforming our wills to that of another one it's made explicit, but also sometimes most importantly, when it's implicit by our own vocation, by the duties of, of our state in life, and then especially by our relationships of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great, great, great story, Nick. Thank you. Yeah, Nick, thank you. That was just a, a, a wonderful call and a great example, just as you were saying, Father, of death to self. And I love the, the, the idea, Father, that you put on there, that it's not just about obedience to another person, but it's obedience to the love that you have uh, in, mm-hmm. in the midst of that. And yes, I, <laughs> I'm right there with you, Nick, is that uh, there, would be, there would be some grumbling on my part, too, uh, before hopefully I would finally uh, choose to be obedient to my love as well. So thank you, Nick. Thank you for the call. We're speaking with Father Carter Griffin today as our spiritual director as we're talking about obedience, especially when, t- when it's difficult to do so. So if you, again, have a great story like Nick just had, or if you have questions about how do I remain obedient in this situation, maybe there's something you're facing right now that's making it difficult to be obedient. And yes, to God, but also maybe to another earthly authority, to a parent or a teacher or a boss or even a, a superior in other ways. Um, give us a call. We'd love to take your call at 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. We're going to go into our first break, but we've got more coming up about the inner life on obedience, especially obedience in times of difficulty. When we come back, stay with us. Looking for a new job? How about one that offers you opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forester, an Illinois life insurance society. Not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio, RelevantRadio.com, and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Patrick Conley, and you know, I've met maybe precious few of you who are listening to the program. I'd love to meet many more of you because in Christ we are brothers and sisters, and one way we could do that is this coming July at the National Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis. I would love to meet you face-to-face and rejoice in the presence of our Lord Jesus present to us in the Holy Eucharist. Relevant Radio is offering easy, family-friendly travel experiences thanks to Nativity Pilgrimage. So, hey, let's all show up for Jesus together. You can find more information about travel packages at relevantradio.com slash encounter. That's relevantradio.com slash encounter. 
speaking with our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin, today about obedience. If you have a question about obedience in a specific situation that you're facing, or if you have a story of when you did, you uh, you were obedient, and maybe obedient in that most in that most rich way involving your intellect and and giving yourself over to this because of uh, because of your love for the situation and for the Lord. Give us a call and join the conversation at triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Father, one of the things that popped into my mind in terms of obedience that was liberating for me is actually my conversion to the Catholic Church. When I when I came into the church, it was something that I I no longer had to have all the answers to all the spiritual questions because there were those in legitimate authority, um, the magisterium specifically, and the tradition of the church that has said, okay, you know, we've thought this through for two thousand years. We've thought this through, and I don't have to be the one who is the final the final decision maker on all these interpretations, potential interpretations of Scripture. I use that just as an example of obedience within the church. Maybe we can talk a little bit about that before we go outside the church. Um, What does that look like? I know it looks like one thing to you and another thing perhaps to a layperson. Um, Sure, yeah, there's uh, kind of some differences in how a priest lives out his obedience. But what... what, um what unites us, of course, is is we have this c- common uh, call to obedience, obviously to God first of all, yeah, and yeah. that 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 calling to um, really conform our, our wills entirely to His will for us. Uh, but also, as Catholics, understanding that that is mediated um, through the Catholic Church and and through the through this new Israel that that Jesus founded, the twelve apostles and their successors, and there are going to be. And, and the teachings of that church, which call come, all come from the same um, source, the, all that same font of grace, you know, the um, the deposit of faith, but but are, are mediated through the scriptures and through the apostolic tradition. And so, receiving those teachings with docility um, and and with joy, you know, even when it can be a little bit difficult for us uh, to recognize that it's even, what, even although difficult, it is always good. Um, and you know, one thing, you know, interesting, you've mentioned that your conversion, I, I was thinking about my own as well and to the Catholic faith. And I remember having that experience of like, okay, I don't have to have this all figured out now, but I also kind of, then I think maybe started by going in the, in, in sort of the other direction where I, I expected everything just to be handed to me. You know, I remember uh, like wondering where like the scriptural commentary was like, where's the thing that just tells me all the answers, you know, like <laughs> what the church teaches about every verse of scripture. And of course there is no such thing. And the church calls us to to immerse ourselves in the scriptures and to make them our own and to understand them and our and what what God is saying to us. And anyway, so there's this beautiful balance in the church too, and that's just one example. But you know, there are many things that are explicit that are kind of you know the, the official teaching of the church, as they say. But there's a lot that has to happen on our own. I was just talking to some people today about what is ordinary and what is extraordinary. You know, in medical treatment, it's like there's much that the church leaves up to individuals. What is this going to mean for me and for my family and the expense and the suffering and all these things? There's a great deal of intelligent obedience that the church is constantly calling us to. And so making sure that we neither go to one pole or the other, both neither of which is Catholic. Right, right. And that's, and that's you know, that's a great point, Father. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up as well, that it's not that everything is just handed to us, but there needs to be an active engagement. So in a way, it just, it just uh, elicits this, this full obedience that you were talking about, this third stage of obedience that in, right. it requires our intellect, right? Definitely, yeah. And I think learning, and, and, that's where, and that's where I think, so having kind of this age-appropriate, you know, faith formation, including forming ourselves as we get older and, you know, that we're not going to be able to go to a CCD class or a religious center or whatever, that you, you know, we have this sense, I need to continue to learn 
my faith so that I can understand why I'm obeying. You know, I mean, why, why this? Now, there are going to be things which we really just don't understand. You know, there are going to be things I just don't see how this is, you know, how this is uh, true, but it's something that clearly is taught by the church, and I need to obey while I'm, while I'm coming to a better understanding of it. Um, you know, we certainly, we still obey, even if we don't understand it, but, but then we're called to have a more and more intelligent understanding of that. So, so whether it's through apologetics or just a, a deep study of the catechism, or maybe doing a book, book study with other people, or, or, or just take an issue at a time, like, okay, this came up today in a conversation with somebody about this difficult moral issue, or, you know, why are the three persons, why is it not a tritheism? You know, why is it still monotheism? You know, just take a certain yeah. question and like, let me do a deep dive into that. And, you know, look at the different, and we, we live in a golden age of apologetics. There's just so many resources out there right now and easily accessible. So really, in a sense, nobody has an excuse, you know, to have unintelligent obedience these days. <laughs> okay. Well, very good. And well, please God, we all have that intelligent obedience. Yes. Very good. It's a, it's a good point. Father, I may be, I may be wading into uh, troubled waters here, but I think it bears asking the question. When it comes to the layperson, uh, part of a parish, of course, a, a local parish, and somebody who's you know committed layperson in that parish, what's the hmm, what's the relationship of obedience between the layperson and the priest uh, in, in a pastor and in the in the local yeah. parish? How would you describe that? Well, I would say that the greatest analogy, um, which is really more than an analogy, I mean, it's it's the it's a relationship of uh, within a family and. With, with some important differences, you know, uh, to it, because he is, we call him father, and there he's the father of a spiritual family. Clearly that um, doesn't mean that the adult members of his flock are, are somehow childish or little children in his eyes. You know, I mean, there is, uh, there, it's kind of like a father with adult children, perhaps it might be a closer kind of image of the thing. But I okay. think that to, to, to become very practical, you know, that he has certain responsibilities that are given him by the church. Uh, first and foremost, of teaching the faith um, and the faith that was handed on to him—not his own, not his own version, but the faith—and <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and and especially with the liturgy and the sacraments. Again, giving what he himself was given, not what he thinks that they should look like or something like that. And so, I I think that when a priest is himself obedient, and it first requires his own obedience to his vocation and being faithful to to the to the doctor to the teachings of the church in their comprehensiveness, not holding back, you know, what I will sometimes call contracepting, right? Not giving life where you need to give it when you hold back certain truths because it's uncomfortable or might be difficult, right? Mm-hmm. So if, when he's obedient in himself, then the people who are, that he's, that he's caring for can feel fully confident in, be, in, obeying, in, in obeying him. And that because he's passing on what he's been given. There's also going to be kind of the practical side of things. He also is, you know, the priest, sort of priest, prophet, and king, right? Priest, prophet, and shepherd. And and in as much as he's been given authority over the the practical running of a parish, you know, and and there's there are going to be matters of obedience there. That, that at the end of the day, while he should consult and he should gain the wisdom that so many of his parishioners can give him, at the end of the day, the buck stock stops with him in that parish, and he's going to have to make certain decisions. And my hope is that people, you know, uh, who are who are trying to live obedience well, will will really strive to conform their wills to that and say like, well, that's not the decision I would have made about you know, the, the parish <laughs> picnic or whatever, you know, and it's like, right, this, is, right. this was his, this was his call and we're going to back his play, right? Cause he's our pastor. Uh, and so there mm-hmm. is a place for that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly where I was going to ask next is practical ways that we can show obedience to our pastors as well. 
even if, and maybe especially, and I guess since we're talking about obedience in times of difficulty, when you said, like you said, uh, yeah, that wouldn't have been my call, but we're going to say that. So it, it, there is a, again, a, a bit of a death to self there, but a recognition that there is a, is there, there's an authority structure in place for a reason. And that has been instituted by God, right? Right. And, uh, you know, to take the, uh, sort of another natural example, is I mean, imagine yeah. an army where every, every single soldier just decided on his own which objectives he was going to go. You know, you need to have a strategy, and within the strategy, you need to have tactics, and that requires officers to make choices, and it requires other men, men you know, to, to, to follow them. Otherwise, you're not going to win a single battle, you know. And I think yeah. the sort of the church militant, the church herself, requires, you know, a certain amount of obedience, and uh, in, in that, especially that loving, intelligent obedience of saying, well, this is this is the rightfully instituted um, authority in this area. There's the bishop or the priest or the Holy Father or whatever, and to say yes, that although I might have made a different decision in this prudential matter, it's nonetheless this is where I'm gonna you know I'm gonna support that. Mm-hmm. Very good, Father Carter good Griffin. Example, by the way, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I'll just say real quick. Another good yeah. example, very practical one, would be in the liturgy. Right, there uh, might be choices that the pastor makes that, as long as they are in conformity with what the church permits. You know, it may not be our preference, but at the same time to say, like, well, that's, there is a mortification in that, but to kind of, you know, as, hopefully he's received consultation and he's talked to other people. But again, that certainly is an area that he would have the authority to, to make decisions about. Yeah, that's a very important point as well, because I know that <laughs> as wonderful as the liturgy is, and I am a, a liturgy fan to the extreme, but uh, it there can be some some very marked differences of opinion when it comes to certain aspects of <laughs> of liturgy and what's even within the realms of what's permitted and what's required. So, yes, our spiritual director today, Father Carter Griffin, as we're talking about obedience, specifically in times of difficulty. If you have a question about a situation that you're facing that you're finding it hard to be obedient in and you're wondering how what's the way forward, give us a call at 888-914-9149, 914 Our email address again, Inner life at relevantradio.com. Well, let's move beyond the church walls, Father, because I think oftentimes, of course, as you've said, our obedience lies first and foremost to God. I mean, ultimately, and, and but all these other forms of obedience or of, of authority, excuse me, are meant, if they're God ordained, if they're God placed, then they are meant to be uh, different ways in which we can conform our wills to that of our Lord's. And uh, with that, outside of the church, those things are included, right? I mean, it's not just about being obedient within the structures of the church, but without to legitimate authority, correct? Right. And and, and we do believe, um, and St. Peter talks about the emperor in this way, that that authority is given by God. Now, that authority may be misused, the authority, I mean, that whoever receives that authority will have to answer to God for the, for the use of that authority. But in as much as that authority, as long as it's directed towards the good, you know, that it's something that is not being clearly wielded in an evil way, um, then that authority we can see is coming from God, even if it's not something explicitly ecclesiastical. Um, so the authority of, of um, human, uh, human laws and those who protect, uh, those who enforce those human laws, um, you know, judges and police officials, I mean, all, all the rest, um, but also uh, within for the family structure, right, parents and children, um, yep. also husbands and wives to each other in distinct mm-hmm. ways, but certainly obedient, mutual obedience there. Um, and I think as well, maybe we can look at, you know, kind of the, touched on this briefly earlier, but there's kind of the, the obedience to our own duties, right, our own our supernatural duties, our grace-filled duties, but also our duties to our country, our duties to our to our family, to our community, and, you know, so forth. So all of these are different areas, sort of 
these are each a forum, you know, these are different fora of, of obedience, which I think all of them can be, can be very life-giving and all of them are needed. You know, you can't have sort of, I'm obedient to, um, kind of to the church, but I, I could care less what, you know, what the, what my local city council says, right? It's a, well, right. it all kind of fits together. It does. Yeah. Right. And in fact, just kind of tying right into this, we had a call, um, an off-air call, so he's not on the line, but Norman from California called in to ask, how can I have peace in obeying a bad boss in the workplace? Now, he didn't go into any kind of, um, you know, uh, detail about what makes his boss a bad boss. But yeah, any thoughts on that? How how do we how do we can maintain our peace in, in obedience and obedience um, if uh, our our boss might not be the person that we expect him to be? Sure. Yeah. And, and I should, I should have mentioned professional, but obviously for a lot of people, that's going to be their, their almost their primary, you know, most immediate uh, ver- sure. uh, way that they have to live obedience and, and sometimes difficult, you know, I mean, and every boss is going to be imperfect, but I, just a few thoughts. One is going to be um, actually just maybe starting from that, like recognizing that no boss is going to be perfect, that we all have our imperfections and that in as much as we've been given authority, we have sometimes exercised it you know, badly as well, or, you know, so that, that's one thing. It's just kind of the humility of recognizing that we're all, that we're all fallen and we're all weak. And so we can all make mistakes. The second thing is, and maybe along those same lines of humility is recognizing that maybe sometimes we get it wrong, you know, even in our relationship with our boss, you know, you can look back and you say like, well, you know, they were actually right about this and I was wrong. You know, that might be another, if it's true, <laughs> yeah. times that, you know, some bosses can be really hard and not, but yeah, so I think trying to have that humility um, with the boss. I think a third thing is preserving one's one's free agency, right? That this is that I am choosing to obey here, even if it's like a job that I sort of feel like I'm forced into because of family circumstances or otherwise. You know, it's like I feel like I'm trapped, and and people can feel trapped sometimes in their job. But nonetheless, I can turn this into like, but I am now choosing. I am now choosing to be here. And I am now choosing to obey this person. I am doing that, right? I'm not being, I'm not a, I'm not a slave. I'm not a, you're right. That I'm, I'm choosing to do this. And, um, and, and that the Lord sees into the, into the depths of the heart and he sees that. And that, and that freedom of agency will also be something that will be very liberating for us. They say that, you know, they can take away, you know, they meaning whoever can take away everything. They can take away everything, but they cannot take away our free will, right? No one can do that. Only we can relinquish that. So being able to freely choose to be, an intelligent, um, obeyer. I think another thing is, um, and then there's kind of a lot of, a lot of other things like just trying to talk to the boss and see if, you know, maybe you can come to a better understanding of why these things are being asked of us. Um, it might be that sometimes it's really not a matter of having a better idea, but just kind of not wanting to have that death to self, you know, that we've been talking about, which yes. is required in obedience. Um, and, and, tr- and knowing that at the end of the day, right, as long as we're not being asked to do something immoral, um, which is a whole different category. But if, as long as it's not something immoral, if it's the right authority and we've made our, our concerns known or whatever, and we obey, that the Lord sees that as a beautiful thing, right? And, and so he gives like that obedience in itself, as they say, what's the, the old expression is the, the superior may not always be inspired and commanding, but, you know, the, um, whatever, the, I forget how it's described, but, but the disciple is always inspired and obeying, right? And so like being mm-hmm. able to receive what from, from our superior in a way that is, Again, not a, not immoral, but something that is uh, maybe we don't understand or even agree with. There's something very beautiful in the sight of God of that too, right? And I think uh, this is uh, this is maybe minutia in the argument, but it might be worth mentioning too, Father. Is that it seems like, especially in our society where uh, individual autonomy is lauded so much that there's mm-hmm. you know so much mm-hmm. in self determination and that sort of thing, that it seems like that there can be um, this this. Uh, 
I don't know, something that will creep in that will say when we when we hear of something that we don't agree with from a superior, um, that uh, really it's our role to stand up and, and uh, it. Whereas it seems like that even if there's something that, again, well, again, not if it's immoral, but if it's something that seems to be going in the wrong direction, seems to be wrongheaded in many ways, that there is still, there's spiritual value in this kind of self-mortification, the mortification of the will that you've said before, that it's something that um, is in be- obedience is inviting us into that that sort of situation where we say, all right, I don't agree with this, but I'm going to go ahead with it anyway. Right. There are going to be times like that. I, I think a way to distinguish the two, that is to say those times when we should step up or make, make yeah. a make a correction or make our views known. I think we're often not our own best judges in those things. And so I think everyone should have somebody in their life, whether it's a spouse, maybe a fellow, maybe a colleague at work, maybe somebody works in a different department, you know, the same company, so they don't have the same prejudices that we might have. Somebody we can go to with the, with the level head, right? We're not there to blow off steam, which is, I think, anthropologically all off, but I don't think that's how it works, right? Just somebody <laughs> okay. you can actually say, these are my concerns, you know, and, and what do you think? Do you think I should say something this time or not? And get some outside counsel. I think that can help a lot. Yeah, that's an excellent piece of advice, too, from our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin. Again, talking about obedience today, not an easy thing to do uh, in all situations, and sometimes it's particularly difficult if you have a question about something that you're facing or have faced in the past about being obedient, and how do I how do I make the way forward in this? We'd love to hear from you at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or maybe you have a, maybe you have a story to tell about how you were obedient, obedient to what the Lord was calling you to. Give us a call with that too, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. we got more of the program coming up after this short break. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com slash quest. And we are back here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, and Thomas Engeser on the phones for us today. And uh, remember, gosh, November is just coming up so quickly. <laughs> I hope that doesn't create too much stress for you. Hopefully there's some joy in that as well. And November is the month of the Holy Souls and Purgatory we focus. The entire church focuses our prayers on that. And uh, we will be having our, our annual Holy Souls Novena, November 2nd through 10th. Here's a couple of ways you can get involved. First, you can go to relevantradio.com souls and submit the names of up to 20 of your loved ones so we can lift them up in prayer together. And then you can also follow through on that novena, again, November 2nd through 10th, and you'll receive reflections from Father Rocky each day of the novena to help you enter even more deeply into prayer. And you can encourage your friends and family to do the same, to add their loved ones and join us in prayer. Again, November 2nd through the 10th, we'll be praying for those intentions during our 12 12 noon Central Daily Mass, our live stream Divine Mercy Chaplet at 3 p.m. Central and the Family Rosary Across America at 7 p.m. Central. Hope you can join us for that. Speaking about obedience going on here on The Inner Life Today with our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin. Well, let's talk about 
Because obedience, it seems to me, Father, is something that we can all grow in over time. And maybe we can be intentional about that and not just wait for the situations arise, even the difficult situations to arise in which we need to be obedient. But uh, how can, how might you suggest that we cultivate a spirit of obedience within ourselves, Father? Sure. Yeah, um, that's a great point. You know, like, it, we don't necessarily just have to wait for those big kind of crisis moments of obedience right. where— um, but like anything else in life, I think it's so good to sort of build a habit with smaller sort of um, kind of, you know, micro combats, you know, that we do uh, throughout a day and, and we grow in, a, in any habit like that. And I think obedience is, is similar. So what are some of like the, I think the question to ask ourselves or what are some small ways that we can be more obedient today and more obedient to people in our lives, whether parents or, or spouses or, um, you know, a job, you know, a boss or, um, or, or maybe different, different laws. We, you know, sometimes we kind of cut some corners in our, in our obedience of the laws, or most likely it's going to be obedience to things like our, our vocation in life, obedience to our duties, obedience to our routine and our, our schedule, our plan, our schedule, you know, instead of just doing our own thing, really sticking to our schedule that we had planned to, you know, these are all small ways of living obedience, but they're very, very effective in kind of learning to say no to ourselves when we kind of that spoiled brat comes yeah. out and wants to like, no, I want to do it my way or do my thing. Right. right. And say, well, no, we're going to obey in this small, in this small way. I think another thing is just kind of as, as with any virtue, um, you know, a good examination of conscience at the end of the day. And if somebody realizes in themselves, a kind of spirit of disobedience, this tendency to disobey just for the sake of disobeying, then maybe having a very particular kind of particular exam examination or resolution that they, are working on, and they just check themselves at the end of the day and say, "How am I? How am I doing in this in this small way of growing in obedience and growing in 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 humility?" Mm-hmm. Um, and then, lastly, I just would say maybe if there if there is a spirit of disobedience, it might not be generalized. It might be, you know, uh, in receiving, you know, the, from the shepherds of the church, or like maybe there's a, a sort of a distrust about bishops and priests and so forth. And maybe mm-hmm. it's that area, or maybe it's just a, a real struggle to, to obey my spouse and, and help, whatever it might be, or my boss at work, like learning kind of what would an intelligent obedience look like in that case and really giving some deep thought to that. Cause it might be that, you know, some of that could be, uh, overcome, you know, like the, yeah. for example, to take the example of the church, like maybe just learning a little bit more about what is legitimate authority in the church. Why, why is it there? Why did Jesus institute the church this way? What is it, you know, and, and then see where are the limits of that, um, the importance of that, the beauty of that, um, how we can grow in humility and in holiness by being obedient, you know, things like that. So we can sort of see in our, as we, as we learn obedience, we can do so more intelligently. Yeah, very good. Great points, Father. Thank you for that. Had an email come in from Anonymous listening, listening in New Jersey, and she asked this um, specifically uh, about the marital relationship and obedience within the context of marriage. So she asks, how do we know we are having a healthy balance of obedience to our husbands? For instance, big family decisions such as financial, where as a wife you feel it isn't the right move, and knowing if you need to stand your ground on the stance to guide your husband or allowing your husband to guide you and be submissive, that among other topics. And she says, also, quite frankly, when it comes to intimacy, how are you allowed to say no or if you always have to be willing and open to your husband's intimate needs? How do we know if we are being as obedient as we really are called to be as a spouse? And she says she struggles with figuring out where her will can come into play when it shouldn't. Yeah, those are those are great, really, really important questions. And it's kind of this is where sort of the rubber hits the road for a lot of folks, you know, when it comes to obedience. And um, so I just commend uh, uh, that person who wrote that email. Um, 
for, for taking this seriously and really trying to grapple with this. I, I, nothing that I say is going to be that satisfying because it's always sort of a, it's very much has to be very personalized. I think advice like this, because these things are so kind of different, difficult and different, you know, for different people, um, what that relationship looks like, what that, um, what, what the personality of the husband and the wife individually are and so forth. But maybe just a couple of general points. The first one is, um, you know, that obedience, if one feels that, that, that one has become a kind of mindless, um, servant, you know, or, or even slave of somebody, clearly that is not the Christian understanding of obedience, right? It's yeah. not this kind of, um, you know, uh, and certainly obviously if there's any violence used or any kind of emotional, you know, abuse, all those sort of things are incompatible, are just not, they're not part of the Christian picture of obedience, right? Obedience is something that might be difficult sometimes, but it never becomes inhuman or, and it never becomes uh, a kind of a lack of justice. Um, so I think that has to be the first thing that's said is like saying, is this no? many times it's not, it's just kind of, it's, this is hard, but there's been no injustice here or anything like that. It might be that a conversation with somebody with one's husband, for example, can be helpful to begin a, a wider or a broader way of exercising obedience. You know, saying like, I would like to be a part of these conversations more. Um, and it might be that that conversation, one has never actually said that, you know, or, and he's like, sure, you know, I'd, I'd appreciate that. You know, I'd, I thought you weren't, I thought you just wanted me to make the, make the decision. I mean, that's not going to be the case in all, but it might be the case in some, um, I think as well, you know, maybe trying to, uh, you know, make, have a, uh, kind of a deeper appreciation for the role that one, that, that you have, you know, as, as for, in this case, as a wife, you know, that, that the, that a more intelligent way of exercising obedience is not necessarily going to be a kind of mindless submission. Um, but in fact, it's going to be really kind of contributing to the decisions in that family and, and knowing that you have a voice that needs to be heard. Um, and when it comes to more intimate matters and things between the husband and wife themselves, uh, I think really there sometimes, um, I think people can just get kind of lazy, you know, in their, in their relationships of love and they'd start to take people for granted and, and that can happen very easily in, in, in marriage. And, and so finding ways of making that relationship kind of, uh, kind of come alive again, you know, and, and, and so that we, neither, neither spouse has taken the other for granted. Uh, and I, I know, for example, and this is going to sound a little bit simplistic maybe, but couples that are, that are practicing natural family planning, for instance, often will find that they are forced in a good way to find other ways of showing affection for each other um, that, hmm. you know, that precisely because it can't always just go towards kind of this one form of, of showing se sexual love. Right. And so they find that there's this much broader spectrum and a very beautiful way of, of showing that kind of physical affection and, and intimacy with, with each other, which doesn't necessarily always involve having sexual relations. And so that might be something too, having a conversation about how are we able to show love to each other and are there, are, are we maybe, have we, have we lost sight of some of those? And that might be a way too of, of beginning that conversation about, about intimacy. Yeah, that's very good. That's very good. Maybe following up with uh, one more email that came in uh, from Brandon calling in, for, or excuse me, writing in from Mesa, Arizona, who says, I've worked construction my whole life. I also served in the military. And he says, I've had some very poor leadership. And in situations where I felt like the tasks given were unjust or actually given to me to see me fail. But he says, I've given those up as sacrifices to God, just as Joseph in his slavery gave his tasks to the glory of God. I, he says, I found great comfort in knowing no matter how bad the injustice is, I can still give it for the glory of God. I think that's a great testimony, Father. I do too. Yeah, I, th I think it, it um, 
again, it gets into this whole question of like really try make, and I think that's where outside advice can be really helpful for us because there are going to be times where really we, we ought to say something, you know, maybe to our, our superiors, superior, you know, there are times when, when that, when that comes up. But I, I think as well, you know, we do, as you were saying earlier, as Americans, especially, we do have this tendency to really focus and almost idolize our independence and our autonomy in such a way that our prejudice tends to be against obedience, right? And so it might be that we sort of feel something is unjust and, and maybe it is, in, you know, in, in a limited way, it's not profoundly unjust or whatever, but, but it's, it's okay. You know, and it's like, and, and I'm going to, this one, I'm going to be able to just obey and always offer it up for the glory of God, as Brandon yeah. says. Um, there are going to be other times when we do need to say something, you know, and I think that sure. that should be a part of that conversation as well. And getting good advice is yeah. part of that. That's very good. I think we got time for just one more quick phone call. Alan is calling in from San Diego, California. Alan, just a, about a minute left, but what do you got for us? Okay, so good morning. I uh, used to be a big drinker in like 40, 45 years. And one night, uh, probably about 2 o'clock in the morning, four years ago, God just woke me up. I sat up in bed and he said, you are going to stop drinking. Hmm. And I said, I answered, absolutely. And then uh, I thought about it for a second. I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? But anyway, um, I I said yes, yes to him. And it's been a wonderful life since uh, four years. Uh, no cravings, no, no going to rehab, worrying about, you know, am I going to drink? Am I not going to drink? So I just I just wanted to share that with you. It came over me as I'm listening to the show and just wanted to share this with, you know, whoever it might might affect uh, going forward. So that's my story. Sure. Yeah. Thank you, Alan. I, and you're right. That it, it's something that it, it, this does happen where God will give a more explicit command. Oftentimes, maybe usually that happens through another person. Uh, it won't always, sometimes it will. But the common denominator of both is that is that sense of obedience. Yes, Lord, you know, I, I'm, your, your servant listens, right? And to be there to receive what the Lord wants to give us either through other people or directly from himself, knowing that in obeying that, while it might sometimes be difficult, I mean, the cravings don't always go away <laughs> when we mm-hmm. obey, you know, and it might sometimes be difficult, but it will always be life-giving. Uh, so that's a tremendous testimony, Alan. Thanks for thanks for calling in. Yeah, thank you, Alan. I appreciate that very much, and uh, grateful that we could get you on the air talking about obedience today with our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin. And Father, um, just the in the last fifteen seconds or so, I mean, just saints—they're uh, always a good resource in turning into learning about obedience, right? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Our Lady is a prime example. Saint Joseph. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I was I was thinking also it's like Saint Jean Jugan. You know, who mm-hmm. who and and founded the Little Sisters of the Poor. That you know, she was basically ejected from her role as foundress and became and she worked in the and she worked in the laundromat. You know, and it wasn't until later that her role in founding that order came up. But that beautiful obedience of just humbly submitting, you know, to what her superiors had asked for, even if it was strictly speaking unjust. In doing that, I think she laid the foundations for this beautiful order and all the good that it's done. So obedience will bring life in so many ways. Amen to that. Father, may we have your blessing, please. Of course, Patrick. Thank you. May the blessing of Almighty God descend upon you and all of our listeners and their loved ones in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Again, to listen to the show or to share it with others who might be struggling in a situation of obedience, go to relevantradio.com slash life. Coming up next is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass with our celebrant, Father Matt Seminar. On Monday, creating space for silence with our spiritual director, Father Eric Nielsen. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. Until Monday, grace and peace.